0: Today on the Tech Bytes podcast, we'll be investigating Secure Access Service Edge or SASE, including the current state of the market and how SASE is evolving. We'll also look at how sponsored Juniper Networks is moving into the SASE space. Our guest is Kate Adams, Senior Director of Security Product Marketing at Juniper Networks. Uh, Kate, welcome to the podcast. There's a lot of interest in SASE. What is driving this uh, sort of explosion in this space?
1: Hey, Drew. Yeah, SASE is uh, not only a big buzzword, but a big initiative for a lot of organizations. And what we've seen is you know, with the pandemic and the evolution of just architectures in general uh, for networks, you know, we started with, you know, distributing our data centers, moving to cloud. And now there are lots of organizations who use a number of both private clouds and public clouds. And we saw the same uh, for the workforce, people working from everywhere and expecting Mm -hmm. fast, reliable and secure access wherever they are in the world, whether they are in the branch office, they're at home, they're on a beach. I know I myself have worked (laughs) from uh, vacation, right? Wherever that might be, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, We saw that even before the pandemic, but the the pandemic exacerbated that. And, you know, we saw that move to a cloud delivered, both networking and security architecture for the workforce, just take off.
0: So you're saying essentially the sort of old model of shunt all my traffic to this sort of one place in, you know, the corporate data center or a cluster of security appliances doesn't really work anymore when my apps could be all over the place. My users are all over the place.
1: Yeah. I mean, it does, it still works. There's still lots of enterprises who use that model, that remote access model where, you know, latency is okay, but more and more the users expect a great experience and adding latency where you have to do that. You have to backhaul traffic to, you know, wherever in the world, all those appliances sit is less and less acceptable. I mean, we're in a, we're (sighs) in a world now where, I mean, if I'm on my phone, right. I, a second of latency while a web page loads, unacceptable,
2: right? Like, that, yeah, <laughs> I'm going. there's research that shows 150 milliseconds is what humans don't notice, anything less than that. but And oh, yeah. web pages have to load in half a second to be viable, to be successful. I, I think what you're also alluding to there is we used to talk about the trombone down through the data center and back out. Mm-hmm. But what we're also seeing is the rapid adoption of off-prem SaaS services or off-prem clouds. And a lot of the services that people are accessing are actually on the internet or directly accessible quickly by the internet. Email, And, you know, in, in cloud host service being the classic one, I think what we're seeing there is that workers are coming from home more often than not, you know, you could argue two or three days a week on average, but I think it's also the fact that a lot of the services are just on the internet. Why route that traffic back to, you know, trombone it, just send it directly. So that split tunneling thing that we see a lot is the key.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, but that brings up another point too, is we, you know, with this rapid architectural transformation, not only with where where apps sit and the use of more and more SaaS applications, um, you know, we see networks becoming increasingly complex. And so, you know, it it is no surprise that amid an architectural transformation or evolution, whatever you want to call it, right, there's gonna be a lot of chaos in there. And we all know, in the security world, chaos is... Where attackers love to sit, right? They take advantage <laughs> yeah. of it, uh-huh. and so you know, SASE can offer uh, a a way to you know make the security part of that that architecture, uh, that security sprawl, um, a little less sprawling, right? Because you're concentrating <laughs> yeah. the these services that you know, uh enable zero trust for users wherever they are, keep that consistent, keep the the security uh consistent wherever they are in the world, right? So there's so, less of a of an opportunity now, for attackers to take advantage.
2: Now the unique thing here is that Juniper SASE is very well positioned because of the underlying SD WAN based on the 128T technology is actually yeah. really well suited to zero trust and to security inspection. So perhaps what we should quickly talk about is where SASE deviates from SD-WAN and what makes sense about that.
1: Yeah, SASE is interesting because it it comprises two two pieces. One, you touched on SD-WAN. And the other piece is because we love our acronyms in the networking and security space, SSE, which stands for Security Service Edge, um, which is basically all the the technologies that people are used to with an NGFW uh, so you know, firewalling, IPS, secure web gateway, um, uh, yeah. advanced threat—you know—sandboxing, uh, exactly. You know, combined, you know. yeah, combined with some of those cloud-delivered services like Casb and DLP. Combine all those together, stick it in a cloud, and deliver yeah. it from the cloud. Um, yeah. That's that's SSE, security service edge. So the all the all the good security components plus SD WAN, put them together, and you've got SASE.
0: Right. Okay. So
2: it's, it's, uh, I like to think of it as a kitchen sink of WAN. (laughs) Sometimes I don't often say that, but you know, like if you, if you took a router and then put a, a, you know, SD WAN engine in there to do dynamic flow management, and then you added next generation firewalls, and then you added in cloud hosted security services. And, you know, all of a sudden you've got a kitchen sink of WAN functionality. And we, we used to talk about branch in a box, but it's kind of in that evolving into that direction.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like branch as a service. Yeah.
2: yeah. Ooh, should have said that. Branch as a service. <laughs> I uh, call it B-A-A-S. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess the 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 challenge here is that for some people, um, is that networking is not always easy to use. And I think one of the advantages about or one of the differentiators of Juniper SaaS is that operational capability.
1: Oh, you have hit it. Absolutely. Um, you know. I don't know if you've seen any of our ads but we've been focusing on experience first networking and security for well many years. Mm-hmm. Um in that not only do we want to enable our you know our users the folks who are in the dashboards you know in the config um we want to enable them to provide great experiences for their users right so you don't, they don't get 5000 help desk tickets every day Um, you know, saying, why can't I access this application? Why is it so slow, right? Um, But in addition, we want to make the experience for those guys, for the guys who are in it every day, making the network work, making sure application access is fast, is reliable, and is secure. We want to make that experience really good for them too because we all know, um, and me coming from the security space, if something doesn't, if something has a bad experience, if if it is hard to work with a tool that tool is probably not going to get used very well or at all. Mm. Mm.
0: Okay. So I get the, the SSE element. This is usually, you know, some kind of pop or cloud instance where I've got a bunch of security services that are delivered and I can route traffic, you know, from the nearest location to that pop to get the security inspection. And that's usually from an SD-WAN gateway. But what about remote users who may not be behind an SD-WAN gateway or behind a corporate firewall? Do you have something for them to get them into this SASE service?
1: We do, in fact, yes, have things for folks who are everywhere but the branch. Um, And this is where, and again, another acronym because we love them, ZTNA, Zero Trust Network Access comes in. So, you know, from the client, whether that's a mobile phone or a laptop, wherever that user may be, I'm home right now. I love being home. I know there are lots of users who are in the same boat, not in the branch. That that Zero Trust Network Access client routes traffic to that nearest pop. And what we can do is we actually can uh, route traffic similarly to how it would be routed if that person were in the branch. So this is this includes things like, you know, again, making sure that, you know, the the traffic is secure, making sure that the person who's trying to access said application has authorized access. They are who they say they are. They're not, you know, they're so you're working with identity
2: management and tools and The zero trust doesn't just include, you know, (laughs) who is it and then tracking what they're doing. It's also about integrating with some sort of identity management tool to say that you are allowed or
1: that you have a profile. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, that goes for device, uh, device identity, too. Right. Identity Mm -hmm. is not just per people, but actually what device are you using? What OS is it? Is said device potentially compromised? Is it IOT? Right. All of these things go into enforcing zero trust principles for, you know, you, well hmm. really we, we say we're protecting users and devices but really we're protecting yeah. access to the data uh-huh.
2: well i also think of it as avoiding pain over ip when we used to use True. ipsec everywhere and you know used to have these vpn clients and all we did was connect and things didn't work and there was all sorts of problems and getting the ipsec to be reliable was a problem but with the advent of sassy and and this access to tools and direct you know, breaking out locally and all that sort of stuff. We don't actually need the clients that we used to have. They're very different in terms of modern, and they're compatible. So if you're somebody running a legacy IPsec, uh, sometimes I, I shouldn't say legacy. I like to call old networking legendary networking. You know, back in,
1: the, right? so if there you're running a lot of a people who appreciate what you just said,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know. But if you're looking at something new, if you put an SD WAN in, you want to solve the remote access problem as part of the WAN because people who are connected on remote, you know, single user from the desktop, from the smartphone type stuff, they need to be connected to the WAN as if, whether they're in the branch or on the campus or whatever, that needs to be one thing. You don't want to have one network for remote access and one network for people in the branch, you know, on the other end of a WAN router. Mm-hmm. You want it all to be unified. And you want to say, instead of having IPSEC as a special condition of remote access, and you just want it to see like it's a branch. It just happens to be a one person branch with a laptop.
1: Exactly. It's the branch of one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly um but that brings up a good point too is is you know that branch of one and you know ipsec and and how those users wherever they are are reaching out to those applications in a lot of cases you know we see admins you know the, the actual people implementing this having to choose between okay do i do i enforce security or do i favor low latency right there's there even oh. with with the advent of cloud delivered services and sasi there's still this balance that a lot of you know a lot of admins have to strike between performance or security and that's one of the things that in our in our quest to provide the best user and end user experience is we don't believe that that has to be a choice right Mm. Yeah, access, I think that's
0: great because it yeah. tends to be that if something gets in the way of my productivity or my speed of access, I will find a way around it. Exactly, that,
1: exactly. You know. <laughs> Usable security, but also low latency and, yeah. you know, high performance regardless. And, you know, extending that over to not just Sassy but on the experience side, making it so that, you know, the the admins experience when they are deploying these these services for their their users, for their branches of one, right? They're they're also not having to go into multiple different dashboards and management systems to configure all of these pieces, right? So there's this concept of okay, yes, we have SASI, but we also see, you know, SASE being used in a lot of ways that don't provide low latency plus security, don't provide that balance. And I think one of the ways in which we are providing additional value, not just for, you know, the sassy transformation, but really transformation of the entire network is making it so that there isn't, there, there aren't multiple dashboards for multiple different architectures, right? If you've got, you know, your branch locations and you want to provide security in a legendary way, Greg, <laughs> um, <laughs> right, but you're also providing, um, you know, Uh, uh, access and secure services to remote workers, why should- In the same
2: way as if it was the WAN. Exactly. Which makes it so operationally simple because all of your security policies that you're applying to the people in the branch just get applied to the remote access users. Exactly. at the very least, I mean, you could have very, the, the amazing thing about SD-WAN is because it has a software engine in it, right? You can mm-hmm. say, I want to have this generic policy. And if you're a remote access user, you can say, well, oh, th- these people are a branch that, you know, a one-person branch, you know, uh, branch in a laptop, if you like. And <laughs> they get a policy that's attached to them, which might be more draconian than being in a branch because you've got other security controls, people looking over their shoulders, access to a building. There's a building control system in there. And so it just, it it's, Administratively, so much easier than trying to have two different systems with radically different technologies
1: and different policy frameworks. And I mean, really, right at the end of the day, shouldn't the policy just follow the user wherever they go?
0: Hmm. So, I think this leads us into another discussion about SASE, and that we see the market kind of sort of, uh, I guess, bifurcating into what they're calling full stack and sort of an integrated SASE, where full stack is you're getting the networking and the security. Mm -hmm. from one vendor as opposed to, you know, I've got, I'm getting SD-WAN from vendor A and I'm getting the cloud delivered security from vendor B. It looks like Juniper is going down this full stack path in part because of that operational experience where I'm unifying the security and the networking in one place.
1: Yeah. I mean, we see a lot of organizations wanting to consolidate their SASE vendors. I mean, let's take maybe like a year to 18 months ago, you know, we, we've we been seeing organizations choose a vendor for SD-WAN, choose a vendor for CASB, choose a vendor for firewalls of service, right. choose a separate vendor, even for more traditional security architecture at the edge. And so what we said is, you know, I know we know people are gonna wanna consolidate because let's just face it, dealing with one vendor versus six, that's a lot more, that's a lot easier to handle, <laughs> not just from an admin perspective, but um, procurement people, let's not forget about them either. They have a tough yeah. job. Um, but in addition to that, right? You know, we also realized that while we would love for people to have a completely Juniper network, we know that's not reality. And so, what we did is we said, "Look, we're going to go full stack Sassy. We're going to prov- provide everything that is Sassy, but we're going to make it flexible. We're going to make it so that if a if a customer has an SD WAN vendor that they like already, and they just want to use some security services from us, they can do that." Mm-hmm. Conversely, they've got a security vendor that they love and they want to implement our SD WAN, they can do that too, right? We're gonna mm. we're gonna make it so they don't have to dive headfirst into the sassy, you know, architecture only with Juniper. It's a transition. It is not gonna happen overnight. And the last thing we want is to force a customer, force an organization into additional change when they're not ready. So what mm. we've done is we've made it, yes, we can provide everything. But we can do it in a way that's flexible, that allows organizations to leverage what they already have that's working for them, and then make that, that SASE transformation at a pace that's best for them and their business. And I think that, that again, is part of a great experience.
0: All right, well, we're coming up on the end of our time, but just one more question briefly, given all of the uh, vendor activity in the SASE marketplace, what should organizations be looking for when they're looking at a SASE provider and looking at this new architectural approach?
1: That's a great question Drew and I think there are three primary things that organizations should be looking for. Number one, that it allows them to transition at their own pace. It supports hybrid environments cuz that's their reality. Number two, effective security, validated security effectiveness. At the end of the day, if you're buying security technology whether it is legendary or it is this new cloud, you know, cloud delivered SSE SASE architecture, it has to be effective at blocking blocking attacks, right? Why would you, (laughs) why would you spend money on something that isn't? Um, And then the third one is again, on that transition, it's not forcing you into a change that you're not ready for, right? It meets you where you are and takes you where you want to go at a pace that's best for your business and your team. Those three are, are, are really the primary, the primary. Yeah.
2: This is this idea of being able to deploy technologies in a brownfield. Very few people get to, you know, wipe the slate clean and, you know, do a switchover. Everything has to come in gradually and progressively. And and I think that's one of the things that Juniper has been able to deliver so far.
0: All right. Well, if folks want to get more information about Juniper and SASE, where should they go?
1: Yeah, you guys can go to juniper.net slash SASE. So again, that's juniper.net slash S-A-S-E. And you can learn more about what SASE is and how what juniper provides
0: awesome well, we'll have that link in the show notes and others with additional information uh, that does wrap up our time thank you kate for joining us and thanks to juniper being a sponsor sponsors help us uh, do what we do here at packet pushers speaking of which if you like what we do there are many more fine free technical podcasts and our community blog it's all at packetpushers.net you can follow us on twitter at PacketPushers, find us on linkedin hear us on spotify and rate us on apple podcasts and last but not least remember that too much networking would never be enough